Our sacred text for today is from the Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw it, He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors, One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here ends our reading. It was one of those calls we've all had them that I'll never forget. It was the announcement that my mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer. After a really long year of aggressive treatment, including a mastectomy, chemotherapy, and radiation, the equally as joyful noise notice came that she was in remission. A few years later, I agreed with her to mark that occasion 
by walking with her in the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Three Day. We both committed to doing the three-day, 60-mile walk and the fundraising that came with it. Months ahead of time, months ahead of time, the training began. There was a schedule to follow. I hung it on my refrigerator with variations of short and long walks over five days within each week. I would quickly learn that the hardest part of walking 60 miles was conditioning my feet. The blisters just had to come, and they had to go. The calluses had to come, too. They needed to build up, but I did it. I followed that training schedule rigorously, learning a few tricks of the trade along the way, and I was ready. I can tell you one thing for certain, never in my life have I ever been more aware of my feet than I was during those months of training. I think our feet actually say quite a bit about who we are and our lives. It's a little odd, I know, I'll be the first to admit it. But I think there's a lot of story that actually gets embedded in our feet. If we were to sit at the feet of some of these people lifted up in our gospel reading, I think some interesting stories might come out. Starting with Simon, a Pharisee, an influential religious leader. It was Simon's job, along with all the other Pharisees, to apply Jewish law to everyday life. And they did so with great intensity and great rigor. We really honestly know nothing about Simon's feet, but I imagine them to be relatively well cared for, smooth, maybe even manicured. He probably had a decent pair of shoes that could cover and protect them from the elements. By and large, I think Simon's feet would have told the story of a man who spent considerable amounts of his time in his life reading and studying and praying, which meant that his feet were generally protected and well taken care of. As our reading for today opens, Simon is hosting a dinner party. We can assume that the guests, the invited guests, were just as prominent in the community as Simon, the host. And Jesus, at that party, was the guest of honor. So those feet, all those feet of the invited guests and Jesus and Simon shuffled around the highbrow event doing very important things that happen at such occasions. Which is precisely when another pair of feet entered the house. These feet belonged to a woman a woman whose name we aren't privileged to know. And I imagine that this woman's feet were significantly different than Simon's. More rugged, if I had to guess. Maybe they were bruised and battered, maybe peeling, even cracking. We don't know the woman's name. We don't know what her feet would tell. But we do know she had a reputation. This woman was a sinner, 
we don't happen to know exactly what her sin was, but everyone in town did. There isn't a lot we know about her, but we do know in addition that she was bold. She stood on bold feet. Bold enough to take a huge, an incredibly huge cultural risk and walk right into Simon's dinner party totally uninvited. After making a scene by her mere presence in that crowd, she proceeds to give what seems like an embarrassing amount of attention to Jesus, the honored guest. She washed his feet with her own tears and then dried them with her very own hair before finally applying an ointment that she had brought with her. All of these very bold, very public signs of devotion and love. But why? Why this extravagant and public devotion and love? Jesus knew why. And in order to share the reason, he told a short parable to Simon and the other guests. In the parable, there are two people with debt owed to a collector. One owes 50 denarii, the other 500. Quite simply, one person owes 100, or excuse me, 10 times the amount of the other. And in the parable, both of these debts are completely wiped away by the collector. So turning to Simon, Jesus asked, who do you think will love the collector more? The one forgiven 50 or the one forgiven 500? Well, the answer is quite obvious, and Simon gets it right. The one forgiven the greater debt. And then Jesus moves on to the obvious parallel to the woman standing right there in the room. She apparently had been forgiven much, maybe 10 times more than anyone else in the vicinity, which explains why she was there then. After being forgiven of all her sin, she had come to find Jesus, the one who had forgiven her. She was overcome, simply overcome by gratitude, the kind of gratitude understood only by someone who has been given everything. She wasn't there to prove herself or make a scene or even beg for forgiveness. The forgiveness had already been given to her. This was her response. Jesus concludes for Simon, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And the one who is forgiven little loves little. Now, I'm not sure about you, but this is the point where I expect Jesus to just let Simon have it. Not only had Simon completely judged this woman and her actions, but as Jesus pointed out, Simon was a horrible host. He hadn't shown Jesus the least bit of hospitality, but the woman he judged sure knew how. Sure, Simon's sins may not have been so public as hers, but he was far from perfect, 
as Jesus rightly points out. But Jesus doesn't really let Simon just have it. Because remember that parable? No matter who you are in the parable, there's still a debt. For one person, it happened to be 50 denarii, the other 500. But in the end, both have debt. Even more importantly, though, no matter who you are in the parable, the debt has been forgiven, completely wiped clean. The 50 and the 500 are both gone. So it's not like Simon or you or me are out of luck. We are all forgiven. My mom and I arrived at that three-day ready to go, ready to walk those 60 miles in the fight against breast cancer. The first day was great, a little over 20 miles done, and after some good sleep and a bit of rest for our feet, we were ready for the next 40. But only a few miles into that second day, I started to get some pretty nasty blisters. Mostly they were between my toes. At least those are the ones that I can still feel, even today. A place I promise you, and I don't understand why, I had never, ever, ever gotten blisters during my training. I got some care from the medical staff for them, and I just pushed through the morning. But the afternoon was a different story. I was in significant pain, and I couldn't get any sort of relief, no matter what I did. My mom stood by me the whole time, went my pace, but I knew the afternoon was going to be different. All that training, all that preparation, months and months ahead of time, and I was failing. My feet were failing me. I knew what I had to do. I had no other choice. I had to get on that stupid, what they called sweep van. I had to get into that crazy, stupid, decorated van with loud, blaring music that had annoyed me along the entire route for the past day and a half, and they were going to drive me to the next pit stop because I couldn't walk. I didn't want to do it. I didn't do all that training just to get in a van. But I knew I didn't have a choice. If I wanted to walk across that day's finish line and even stand a chance, an utter chance, of walking any of the next day, my feet needed a break. Like the woman in Luke, my feet were beat up and blistered. And like Simon the Pharisee, I was stubborn and didn't want to see that I too needed help. So begrudgingly, I got into that stupid van. And to my utter and complete surprise, it was amazing. Two of the kindest, most compassionate and hospital Hospitable women let me into their 50-themed van with loud blaring, obnoxious music. 
And for the five minutes or so that it took to get to that next stop, they did nothing but encourage me and build me up. They were certainly relief for my feet, but far more so for my soul. What they offered was simple. It was forgiveness. It's okay, they told me over and over again. You've already done the most important part. You've already raised money for the research. You've already raised awareness. No one back home is going to know if you walk 57 miles instead of 60 unless you tell them. And if you do, they're not going to care because they aren't here. They were balm, absolute balm, for my heart and my feet, really my entire being. It was that five-minute van ride and those women who got me through the rest of day two and day three as well, which is exactly what Jesus is for me and for you, for Simon and for this unnamed woman. Forgiveness, balm. Whether your life is a bit bruised or rough or cracked from all the places you've been or whatever comes your way, or whether your life on the surface is a little more smooth than manicured, Jesus is the balm of forgiveness freely given for you. It is that very balm of forgiveness then that calls us back, that makes us keep going then through the day and the following. And in doing so, we become balm for the world, proclaiming in, a wor in word and deed peace and forgiveness coming only from God. Amen. Sure, of God's promise to listen when we cry out, let us pray. Pray for worshiping communities around the world, especially those facing persecution and hardship. Unite us in our love for you and the world. We pray for all of creation, especially places that have experienced destruction because of our past. especially those 